I believe that as we enter Advent season, this season of anticipating the arrival, um, the arrival, the birth of Jesus Christ, and, and, and we prepare to celebrate this is the sacred, this sacred day. Um, and keep in mind, we're not talking about a day that Jesus was actually born on this day. That's not the point of it. It's a day that has been designated to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Okay? So, I want us to do that with thanksgiving. I don't want us to think of gratitude as just um, the fourth Thursday in November. But it is actually how we ought to um, live our lives daily. Practicing the discipline of gratitude. So how do we have gratitude when we see so much chaos surrounding us? We think about 2020. Think about the uncertainty. I shared it last week. The uncertainty, the chaos, the, the division, the, the social unrest, death sickness, pandemic, viruses, literal viruses, and figurative viruses. And how do we count it all joy, as James, the book of James, tells us? I'm not talking about positive thinking here. I, I, it's, it's much deeper than that. Now, positive thinking can turn the volume down, but I'm not talking about positive thinking that just kind of makes things go away. I think that there are things that are literally already in our lives, built into our lives. They're there. It's just a matter of us recognizing it, us um, paying attention to it, appreciating those things that God has provided for us and God has done for us. And it gives us the ability to answer the question, what else is true? I never want you to forget that question. That question has changed the way I, I see things, changed the way I respond to things. And I just, someone just posed that question a few months ago in a, in a, a training, and I've never let go of that question. What else is true? So let me back up a second and let me, let me read what Mona read earlier to open the service. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forever, forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. If nothing else, in the midst of everything, if nothing else, I want to remember, for to us a child is born. I want to remember the reality of that. A son is given. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. If nothing else, I want to remember that. 
But I want to remember some other things, too, that are concrete in my life today. And one thing that I've been thinking about as I read Matthew chapter 1, we're going to spend time in Matthew 1 and Luke 1, maybe Matthew 2 over the next few weeks. And I began to think about what can I be grateful for that's already built into my life? That, that it, it won't change. No matter what happens around me, this, these things won't change. And there are four things we're going to look at um, in the next four weeks. And, and one of them today is I want you to think about your heritage, your lineage, your family, where and who you came from. Because and you look, if you look at Matthew chapter 1, that's exactly what the author is, 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 is showing us. Where and who did Jesus come from? His origins. We're going to look at that in just a second. But in my cult culture, it's important to honor your ancestors. That's very important. And God has been shaping me and forming me through those people that came before me. And God is doing, has been doing the same thing with you. God began to shape you before you were ever born, before you were conceived. There were people in place, and, and as God would shape them, they would in turn be shaping you, eventually shape you and form you, right? I think about my family. I come from a family of athletes and activists. Thank you, God. I come from a family of educators and educated. Thank you, God. I come from a family of soldiers and pastors, or at least one pastor. Thank you, God. I come from a family of the oppressed and yet the resilient. Thank you, God. I come from a family of the wounded and the healed. Thank you, God. The stock I come from, that will never change. COVID will never change that. The, the, the things that are happening in our world today will never change that. The stock that I come from, the resilience that is in me, what's allowed me to get through, to endure, to press on, that didn't start with me and it won't end with me. And so when I think about those things, I'm starting, I, I draw from, from the text, what can I be thankful for? What can I be grateful for? I'm grateful from who I came from. Our families have shaped us in ways that we may, may never know, especially without reflecting upon it. If you don't think about it, you'll never know how your family has shaped you. There are things about you right now you think is just you. The uniqueness of you. It may be the uniqueness of your family, your heritage, your lineage. And when I say family, I mean your, your family, your mom, dad, grandma, granddad, but also your ancestors, your culture. Because I am who I am because they were who they were. I am who I am because they are who they are. Is, is this making sense? I'm shaped, you are shaped and socialized by your family. Let me give you an example. My, I, I knew my, my grandmothers. I knew one of my great-grandmothers. I knew one of my great 
great-grandmothers, great-grandmothers, and one of my great-great-great-great-grandmothers. So I knew five generations of women that came before me, direct lineage to me from the time I was a baby. Whoever shaped my grandmother, because my grandmother helped raise me, whoever shaped my grandmother, my great-grandmother, they shaped me. Whoever shaped her shaped me too. My great-great-grandmother was born in 1896. I knew her the last few years of her life. When I was young, I knew her. I was probably eight or nine years old when she passed away, maybe 10 when she passed away. Whoever shaped her in the 1800s ultimately played a part in shaping me. Think about that for a second. Whoever shaped her, formed her, developed habits and, 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 and a worldview, a culture, the culture she came from, obviously it's different today, but there's a thread that made its way through me, to me. And so I'm gonna encourage you to be grateful, but be celebrating who you came from because celebrating who you came from is celebrating who you are. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not talking about self-centeredness, vanity, thinking more highly of yourself. I'm not talking about ethnocentrism, thinking more highly of you and your people above everyone else. What I'm talking about is recognizing the inherent dignity and worth that God has placed in you. Recognizing the things that have been passed on from generation to generation that have reached you and shaped you. That's allowed you to be who you are today. We live in a culture today that has us believing that we must assimilate and that our culture, our various, the uniqueness of our cultures, our heritage, we must set those things aside to be American. And actually, to be Christian means to set all those things aside. That's what it means to be one. Whether consciously or unconsciously, we can't be too much of an other. And I want, to, I want to put a stop to that thinking for some of you. That you, in fact, need to understand your heritage, your lineage, where you came from. That God is in that too. That, that, that you should not set that aside to be Christian. That God is a part of, of, of all the cultures that we see. God is in that. God is the cause of that diversity. And so I don't know where we came, where we got this thing, but I'm grateful for my heritage. I'm grateful for my lineage. I'm grateful for my culture. And when I say culture, I'm talking language, beliefs, values, uh, behaviors, rituals, symbols of my, I'm, I'm grateful for all of it. The richness of all that makes me who I am. And all of that, 
I submit back to the Lord. Not for God to take it away, but for God to enhance it and for God to amplify it the way that God so chooses. And here's, here's why I say all that. Because I have, we have something in common with Jesus. My heritage, your heritage, your family lineage is just as beautiful, just as resilient, just as diverse, and just as flawed as Jesus's. Think about that for a second. When I was reading through this, this list, I won't read the list to you. Because you'll go to sleep by the time I get to three verses in. You'll be asleep by the time I get through. I'm going to read you some names and talk about some of the names in this list in cha Matthew chapter 1. But I started to think, wait a minute. When I read these names and I saw the, the, the people in, in, in this list, and I go back to the Old Testament and look at some of the things that they did, and it wasn't so cool. I started to see my own family lineage in that, my own heritage. I said, wait a minute, Jesus' family is, is as beautiful as mine and as jacked up as mine, <laughs> as ours. Everybody's got it, right? Including Jesus. So we got something in common with him. So let me walk through a few of these names. In Matthew chapter 1, and this this is important because the author, one scholar says, the author writes Matthew likely to Jewish Christians. Jewish Christians would have been the audience. And you can see the language that's used throughout Matthew that's kind of different than Luke, particularly than Luke and maybe other, some of the other uh, Gospels. But it's written to a Jewish audience who were committed to the Gentile mission. And it was this list is here to affirm the origin and the messiahship of Jesus. And so he goes down this list, and when we get to, say, Abraham, we start with Abraham. Guess what? Abraham was a liar. Abraham was the father of the Jewish people, yet he was a liar. Jacob, not you, Jacob, but Jacob in Scripture literally was called a trickster. If you look at his story, you can see him very, he's a manipulative person. Yet he, he was also called Israel, one who strives with God. If you look at Judah, Judah was the brother who stepped in and preserved Joseph's life when his brothers wanted to kill him, wanted to throw him in the pit and leave him for dead. But yet Judah was also the one who, in looking for a prostitute, ended up sleeping with his daughter-in-law and getting her pregnant. Judah, Tamar, Tamar, she was the one, the daughter-in-law who tricked Judah because he did not give his youngest son to her in marriage. So she tricked him, posing as a prostitute, slept with him, and then blackmailed him afterwards. Ruth was a Moabite. The Moabites had a history of hostility with the Israelites. David was the king of Israel, a man after God's own heart. Yet David was an adulterer. David slept with Bathsheba, uh, slept with Bathsheba and tried to have and, and did have her husband Uriah set up to be killed in battle. This is the man after God's own heart. Solomon 
David's son, David and Bathsheba's son, was the king and considered in his day to be the wisest man in the world. But Solomon was also oppressive as a king. And Solomon ended the last days of his life in idolatry with hundreds of wives, and he caused the kingdom to be split in two, to Israel and Judah. Ahaz was known for idolatry and wickedness as king. Hezekiah, on the other hand, was a good king. He was the opposite of Ahaz, and he was honored among the kings of Israel. Josiah had an unwavering loyalty to Yahweh. And then we come to Jacob. Jacob was a carpenter. He was working class. And Mary, who was a teenager, that means they were poor. They were unmarried. They were marginalized. Think about the, the list I just named. That was Jesus' lineage. What's perfect about that? The man who is the fullness of God was seen in him. 100% man, 100% deity, 100% God. The son of God. This is his lineage. I want to pause and you think about your lineage, your heritage. Some of you, as you think about it, you're only going to focus on what's good. Some of you are only going to focus on what's bad about your lineage, your, your family, your parents, your grandparents, all the bad that you've seen, and you've tried to distance yourself from your family. And if we're honest, we can see both in our lineage, and we can even see some of those traits in us, both good and bad. And yet out of this lineage came the Son of God. I think about my story. I think about my family. I think about the, the, what we would call generational curses. I think about generational blessings too. I think about how some of those things have found its way into my life and into my personality or, or my habits, my practices. And yet, I stand here grateful to God for the people who've come before me. And here's why. Here's why even though my lineage was, 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 was so, so jacked up and yet so beautiful, I'm grateful. And some of you, I say that because some of you may be thinking, well, my family is so, I'm, I'm more ashamed of my family than anything else. Did someone in your family commit um, incest? Someone, someone in your family, were they an oppressive ruler? Did someone in your family have multiple wives? Did someone in your family cause people to turn away from God? Worshiping not just idols, but other gods, other religions. Now I'm talking about religion that, that, that we may respect. I'm talking about satanic, the demonic, the, the, the stuff that's on the extremes, cults. Anyone ever done that in your family? Because that's who's in Jesus' lineage. 
Here's why. Here's why you should be grateful. Two things. This is going to be a short message. Because God preserves and God redeems. I'm going to let you think about that for a second. You should be grateful for who you who you come from. Because who you come from has shaped who you are today in ways that you may not even know. And you're who you are today because of a God who preserves and a God who redeems. Abraham was the father of the faith. And Abraham was called righteous, not because he was righteous in who he was as a person. He wasn't inherently righteous, but because he believed God. God promised him something and Abraham believed him. And Romans 4 even talks about how God credited Abraham as righteous, not because of anything he did, simply because he believed God. David, king of Israel, won many battles for Israel. He actually caused some battles in death that God did not sign off on, but he won many battles for Israel. Josiah, Hezekiah, they all showed traits of greatness, even with their flaws. They led people. They showed humility and faith to a faithful God. They were willing to destroy idols to remain loyal to God and, 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 and influence people towards God. These were God's people. I think about in my family, my great-great-grandfather was a pastor. I never knew that until a few years ago. My, my grandfather was a great athlete. My father and my uncles were great athletes. My other grandfather had, had tremendous work ethics. He worked until cancer took him out, until he couldn't work anymore. Into his mid to late 80s. My grandmothers both were tough and tenacious and would give their shirts off their backs. My five times great-grandmother, Hagar Toomer, she endured slavery and lived to see emancipation for one year before she died at, I think, 62, 63. She saw emancipation, freedom, for one year of her life. I'm so glad she endured. If she doesn't endure, if she doesn't have the resilience, resiliency, I'm not here. I may not be here. When I think about all that I just named in these people that went before me, I see traces of them in me, which says this, God has preserved. God has preserved those, the, the greatness in my family lineage and allowed myself and my siblings and my nieces, allowed us to see those things in us. This is why I'm grateful, because God is a God who preserves. God has preserved something in you that God placed in your great, 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 great grandfather or mother. 
There is something that endured the generations that's in you. There is some gift or skill or talent or passion or burden that you have that five, six generations ago, three generations ago, someone before you had it too. And God has preserved it. God has kept it. I want you to think about that. Think about the thing that you're passionate about. Think about what you have been great at or you're good at, skilled at. Think about where your impact is. And think about the fact that God preserved that through your generations for you to step into, to impact the world through. God has not allowed it to get lost in the generations. God has not allowed it to fall by the wayside, but God has preserved through the generations to you. This is why I thank God for who I'm from. Not just where I'm from, but who I'm from. Because God has taken pieces of greatness in them. God allowed it to get to me, allowed it to get to my siblings. I see things in my, for instance, my baby sister that she never knew our great grandmother. She wasn't born yet. But I see things in her that I remember about my great grandmother who, who passed away when I was like nine. She helped raise me when I was a, a, a kid. I remember her clearly. I see things in my, my middle sister and my niece that I see in my grandmother. Almost like a, it's scary. It's like a reincarnation or something. And this, so there, there, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. There, is, there are things that God has preserved in your family lineage, in your heritage. There are things about your culture that God has preserved. I come from a part of the country, the low country of South Carolina, the Gullah people, Gullah speaking people, Geechees, they call us. And in that area, to this day, that, that group of people is known to be the group that has preserved their African culture the most, that the, the African culture has been the most intact from those who came over as enslaved Africans. I'm not talking about, I'm not including Africans who emigrated here. I'm talking about those who come from a lineage where their ancestors were enslaved and the Geechee, the Gullah speaking people off the coast of South Carolina. And where I'm from is the northern part of that down to Savannah, Georgia area. On that coast, especially in the islands, they preserved. It's the most intact of the African culture. Think about that. All that they went through, and part of part of being enslaved is to be, to be in, to assimilate. And yet, so much of that culture has been preserved for four hundred years, for hundreds of years. Wow. A God who preserves. 
Here's the other reason why I, I thank God. Because all those people that I listed in Jesus' lineage, remember Solomon? Solomon uh, ended his life in idolatry, embracing the gods of his wives, these other gods. And he had many, many wives. He was oppressive. Remember Ahaz, also known for idolatry and wickedness? David, who, you know, some people look at David and they see the, the major, the couple of major sins that are documented. But I want you to think about something. Those don't necessarily define David's life. They're egregious. To sleep, to Lord, to be the king, take advantage of his position, to, to bring this woman into his court. And who says no to the king? Sleep with this woman and have her husband killed set up to be killed, to cover it up, and then did not repent of it. But this does not define who David necessarily was over the course of his life. Think about Abraham, Jacob, the spirit of, of lying in that family, in those generations. And here's the other part why I'm grateful. Because while God is a God who preserves, God is also a God who redeems. So all that we see in that lineage still leads to Christ. God did not remove, say, well, I'm going to bring the Christ through another lineage. I'm going to bring the Messiah through another lineage because y'all just jacked up. No, even through the jacked upness, God brought the Messiah. God is a God who redeems. And I would imagine not just the flaws, but the trauma that's also passed on from generation to generation. The trauma they experienced when they were attacked by other nations. God allowed them because of their sin, they were attacked by other nations until God would deliver them when the next king would come along and, and do right. Think of the trauma that's passed on from the time they went into exile for 70 years. That's a traumatic experience. And yet after all of that, God is a God who redeems. The culture that was formed generations ago that was passed on, because you do know that you've inherited culture from those who went before you. You may reshape your culture, you may think differently today, but there is still something about you that you've inherited from those who came before you. Beliefs, values, thought processes, worldview, what have you. There's something that you've inherited that may not necessarily be good. That's okay because God is a God who redeems. John 1.46 says this, simple verse, simple sentence, question. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Says that about Jesus. Nathaniel says that when he was introduced to Jesus. and said, come, come, the Messiah. I'm paraphrasing a bit. Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus came out of that, that space. That was where he was raised up. After being a refugee and going to Egypt, he comes back and that's where his family sets up camp. 
And so rather than seeing Jesus and who Jesus really willing, willing to see who Jesus was, Nathaniel was seeing Jesus through the reputation of those from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I remember being a, a certain, when I, years ago, I remember thinking there's certain things that I've seen in my family that I didn't want to be passed on to me. There was a time when if you asked me, I had a, a, a family friend that, that saw me one day and said, this was years ago, she saw me walking down the street when I was home visiting, and she said, man, I, until, until I got close to her, she said, I thought you were your father. You walked just like your father. So I had tension there because there was a part of me that was, was glad to like, yeah, I walked like my dad. Because my dad walked with, with a confidence. My dad walked like he was a bad boy. Right? But then there was the other part of me like, I don't want to be like my dad. I focused on his flaws. I focused on, who, on, on, on what he did, the things that he did that was so egregious. I didn't want to be like my father. There were other things about my family that I saw when I was growing up. I didn't want that. I didn't want any parts of that. I don't want to be like that person. And sometimes that's what drove, that's what motivated me to do certain things. What I didn't want to be like. Who I didn't want to be like. And then I began to think about who do I, who do I want to be like? Who do I want to reflect? And I didn't have to allow those things to cause me to, 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 to determine how I live my life, the stuff that I'm running from. Why? Because God is a God who redeems. I can celebrate who I'm from because God is a God who redeems. I can celebrate my culture and my heritage, the good, bad, and the ugly, because God is a God who redeems. I want you to ask that question. Can anything good come out of you fill in the blank? Maybe it's your last name. Maybe it's your, your race, your ethnicity. Maybe you've wrestled with that. Maybe you've wanted to assimilate. Maybe you didn't like the color of your skin, the texture of your hair. You didn't like certain, certain stereotypes about your culture. Maybe, 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 can anything good come out of We just sang the song, some of the lyrics. He turns graves into gardens. Thank you, Steph. Great lyrics. You must have been reading my notes. And I hadn't even put anything down yet by the time you sent these, these, these the set list. He turns bones into armies. He turns seas into highways. That's the God that we serve. That's why we can be grateful. Because he's going to turn 2020 into 2020-something else. It won't always be 2020. Even if 2021 begins to look like, starts off looking like 2020, there can be a different 2020-something else. Why? Because God is a God who redeems. So I close with this. I'm grateful for my family. But I'm also grateful for my spiritual lineage. 
that goes back to the author and finisher of my faith, Jesus Christ. It goes all the way down to my ancestors. Ancestors who prayed. Ancestors who were likely part of the invisible church, the underground church, while they were enslaved because they weren't supposed to worship on, on their own. They prayed and they preached and they worshiped and they endured. And all of that is in me. I thank God for my spiritual lineage. I'm grateful for having a praying family, a serving family. I hope that people see the manifestations of the spiritual DNA I share with Jesus. Because no matter what's going on around me, it doesn't have to change that. I hope people see the evidence of the same spirit that fell upon Jesus and remained on Jesus. I, I hope that they see that same spirit in me today. I can celebrate who I am without exalting myself, without being self-centered, but I can affirm my own dignity because I know whose I am. I know that I'm Philip and Vernie's baby boy. I am Vera and John and Nathaniel and Rebecca's grandson. The list goes on. But I also know that I am made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. That's whose you are. This is why we can be grateful for both our family lineage and our spiritual lineage. That may include our family, but goes back to the author and finisher of our faith. Listen to me. You are first defined by the image of God. You are not defined first by what you can do or can't do. You are not defined by who, what you have or don't have. You are not defined by what you know or don't know. You are not defined by what you wear or don't wear. You're not defined by your network, who you know or don't know. You are first defined by the image of God. That's why you can celebrate who you came from and celebrate who you are. Because at the same time, you're celebrating whose you are. And I thank God for my lineage. I thank God for preserving thing, the greatness in my family, the ingenuity in my family, the work ethics in my family, the, 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 the prayer warriors in my family. I thank God for preserving the worship worshipers in my family because that's in me. I thank God for redeeming the addictions in my family. I thank God for, for redeeming the broken marriages in my family. I thank God for redeeming the shame in my family. I thank God for redeeming broken relationships in my family. because I'm still here.